welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And today we have Shannon Merlot, a business coach. And as Six Hats is all about the various different hats we play, I really thought it was important that we talk about business as so many women are either thinking of starting a business or have been running businesses for many, many years. And it's really interesting. I've experienced business coaching and it's really interesting how my journey has totally transformed and what I've learned because you were actually learning a new language. So I'm really excited to dive deep with Shannon Merlo. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you, Shami. It's so lovely to be here and so lovely to be part of this. So thank you so much. Excellent. So as I was saying, when I initially was starting my own business, I remember my mindset. It was, to be honest, it was quite negative. It was, I don't know if I can do that. And there was tons of limiting beliefs and there was a huge amount of overwhelm, actually, a huge amount of overwhelm. I was learning a completely new language from medicine and there is actually a lot to learn. And it's really interesting because when we think about every other career, we go into training, we go and you know, do a course or do a diploma, do a degree to learn about it. But for some reason in business, and I was always been curious about it. When someone gets an idea, they go, right, I'm going to start a business. And then they sort of fumble their way through and they learn from either mistakes or, you know, they learn from peers. So it's a really interesting philosophy when someone starts a business. But Shannon, from your experience, we really want to dive deeper into women in business. So I'd love for you to share any insights. Yeah, well, thank you. I think one of the biggest insights that I'd love to share is that you're right, when starting business, men and women have lots of challenges that they need to deal with. So a gender lens on that is not unique. Both men and women have challenges. There's lots of uncertainty when running a business. There's lots of new things to learn. But there's strong differences that I've seen and that sort of backed up with other opinions and ideas around how women do it differently. And it's definitely worth talking about. So one of the things that women do differently to men in business is they are less confident in their abilities and that actually impacts them very heavily because what they're less likely to do is take risks. They're less likely to go out and have stupid conversations for fear of, you know, getting, for fear of, I suppose, not being seen in the right way, if that makes sense. Judgment or... Judgment, fear of judgment. I actually don't know what I'm doing, but I don't want to tell anyone because then they're going to judge me negatively. Whereas men tend to not be as concerned about that and in fact they'll inflate their confidence to sort of fake it till you make it wow which actually does tend to lead to greater success it leads to greater success because they're more likely to take a risk than women they're more likely to fail but then they're more likely to use that confidence to get back on the horse and keep going whereas I suppose women are more likely to lack the confidence to go out there, be fearful of making the mistake from the judgments and therefore maybe go at a slower pace. Why is that? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think we go on. (laughs) (laughs) As I was thinking about our podcast today, I was thinking there's obviously huge changes that are happening in the environment at the moment. 
you and I are in our mid 40s. And so there's definitely a difference to how we've been raised to how kids are being raised in today's environment, where there's a lot less of a gendered, I guess, view on things. I think one of the things that holds women back as well, and it sort of answers your question, is that we were and maybe still are raised to be nice, nice girls, you know, be polite, seen and not heard much more than boys. And therefore, women tend to not set strong boundaries and are not very good at saying no. And that actually holds them back in business as well especially from a service-based industry. And you'd probably know this, you would have had to learn this the hard way, Shami is a GP, like you've got to have really strong boundaries on what you will and won't do. But if you've been told that you need to play nice, and especially in a business context where you're trying to improve your business, you probably, your boundaries might get stretched a little bit. And then next thing you know, you're sort of being taken advantage of. And that rarely happens for men because they're very clear about I'm not doing that or I am doing that. If that whereas women, I think the lines can be a little bit more grey. So I think that can actually hold women back as well. Kind of reminds me of the whole issue of people pleasing. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Some other things that might be worthwhile noting in terms of the difference between how men and women approach business generally. And this is a combination of my experiences and, and other things. We women <laughs> tend to underestimate our value generally and certainly within the marketplace. So I was doing a bit of research and female freelancers charged 48% less than their male counterparts. No way. Oh my God. Let's just sit on that. 48% less. Wow. So that was done by a firm who looked at a freelance, I can bring it up and put it in the show notes, but they looked at the ads that were out. So comparable freelancing opportunities, but women were charging 48 cent less than men. And that goes back, do we value ourselves enough? And I think, again, this hopefully the narrative is changing, but I certainly know that for my generation, I think that's quite embedded Going back to that not risk-taking, women tend to wait for opportunities. I think in my experience, the really successful business owners that I have have a real sales mindset. So they're very keen to get out there and sell, put themselves forward, put their product forward, have that confidence. And I guess if I'm talking stereotypes, that's generally more of a male experience. So men are probably more likely to be the salespeople than women. So that kind of, you know, waiting for opportunities, if we don't have that mindset of go out and hunt for the opportunities, they're not going to come to us. They, they just don't. So that can affect our success and the speed in which we can grow our businesses. So it's something to just be there. One of the other things that I thought would be worthwhile noting is trusting people too much. Interesting. Okay. Right. And I think that women are sometimes are a little bit too trusting, especially when I've looked at how people deal with, again, that boundary setting, I suppose. And it comes in when we're hiring people as well. If we trust the person too much, we don't put in protections for our businesses. So we might not put contracts in because I, I trust you. I don't want to offend you. You know, it's all good. We trust each other. Business partnership agreements and things like that, men are much more likely to make sure that all the I's are crossed and the T's are dotted or whatever, um, T's are crossed and I's are dotted than women. So it's just something to be aware of. 
it's interesting you were saying all this because I can actually literally think of an example, so many examples of women in business that I know or even personal experience. So there's so much truth to what you're saying. And wow, you know, the trust, you know, over-trusting, people-pleasing, all of these traits come in. I do wonder with the whole sales talk, whether we find it uncomfortable to have those conversations. Hey, this is what I'm doing to strangers or to even friends to just broadcast that. And when you really think about it, how will people know unless you talk about it, unless you make a big deal about it, but whether it's social etiquette, social programming, just not in tune to, you know, if we reframe it, it's not a sales pitch, but actually say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. It's really interesting because I would feel uncomfortable doing that all the time, but how would people know what I'm doing? Talk about it. Yeah. And especially in Australia, our culture is very well known for the tall poppy syndrome, which if anyone's listening from another culture, it's pretty much the tall poppy syndrome is this idea that in a field of poppies, the first one that's going to get cut off is the poppy that you can see, the one that's got its flower head above the rest of them. Ah, right. Okay. So culturally, there is a, it's a feeling it happens. It's just known that if anyone's trying to stand out too far from the crowd, people do cut you off. They don't, you know, they've got to keep a good, got to keep a good person kind of grounded and not get too ahead of ourselves, too cocky. And I think, so that's an Australian cultural challenge, but I think that women have internalized that to another level so it's like i'm not I'm not even going to be at the even playing field i'm going to just go even lower, even <laughs> go lower. not even seen or heard <laughs> <laughs> you guys grow i'll catch up later it's fine i wonder also because i've been really looking into the whole tribe effect and the whole tribe effect how it not only affects you know health goals or health choices financial understanding. I wonder if it's the same in business where you don't want to stand out in your tribe. So you go with what everyone else is doing. And when it's just a natural instinct to not stand out, to blend in, that's the word I'm looking for, wanting to blend in. So you're going to do what everyone else is doing. And I mean, that brings up that whole, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And interestingly enough, I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day and I said to them, they run a business, and I said to them, I don't get it. I said, with respect. I said, you're super smart. You're so engaged. You do everything right. You're so consistent. What's stopping you? I don't get it. Like all of your marketing is on point. You're very well niched. You've got lots of you've been in the market for, I don't understand. I don't get it. Why are you not successful? (laughs) And they were sort of like, help me understand what's wrong. And they came up with this concept that, well, hang on, if I changed, maybe my partner wouldn't love me anymore. And so I do think that there's this identity that we have of who we are and what people think of us and what our friends think, and that keeps us nice and safe. And so if we do push ourselves out we're going to lose some of that tribe or if we start investing more time in a different set of five people that's going to elevate our understanding of business or finance or investments or what have you then there is going to be a natural kind of breaking away of the old and that's really scary 
I think that affects both men and women, but I do wonder whether women are less likely to want to take that risk because of how we how strongly we bond with our friends and our families and our partners. I'm just sitting there reflecting on it because it really goes back to even our relationship with money and whether that's actually, you know, socially programmed from a very young age, maybe it's parents, but actually, and I was just doing a bit of research, how even the not social media only, but, you know, TV programs, films, there's an element of social programming about relationship with money in different tribes and, and it's been mind blowing. Someone actually mentioned, and I was watching some a little podcast on it, where you know in the Titanic, how were the rich depicted? They were depicted as boring and lonely and evil. And then you go to the third class, and the third class was having fun and connected, and everyone was together and joyful. And all of this is social programming at a subconscious level. And I was really reflecting: Wow, where is my relationship? With money and business and is that being programmed over the years that oh business is risky don't take risks mm-hmm. and then when you come out of uni oh just get us get a safe job a job for life don't you know and i go wow how can we encourage more people to run their own businesses and be creative and stand on their own two feet rather than you know following what's sort of programmed and instructed through the education system and I, i'm putting it out there but i do believe the education system doesn't promote the whole creative spirit and it is follow orders and find a good job and stay safe and how can we take you know good risk and how can we learn from them and that's what business is all about and I can just so see how we either get stuck fail stop and not progress just by all our limiting beliefs yeah you mentioned a couple of really good points and interesting points On the money side of things, that is 100% one of the biggest things that hold all people back in success in business. But I do think that women's money beliefs are perhaps even more affect, they affect success much more than in men because we've had this narrative that the men are the ones who make the money. And again, I, I trust that it's changing, but and it sort of probably was changing around our level. But again, there's cultural reference to all of this. So if the man's responsible for going out and, and making the money, then you little woman, <laughs> don't you worry your pretty little head about the money. And well, there are those beliefs around that. And we do know that there's real financial concerns for, for women yes. who have had those relationships where the man has been the primary breadwinner. So I definitely think that anyone who's looking to go into business, if there are money beliefs, challenges there, really it's worthwhile have, looking in on how they're affecting you. You mentioned also about that we potentially should or could be starting businesses. I agree from the perspective of if someone wants to start a business, they 100% should explore that. It is the hardest. Yes. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's the most rewarding, but it's the hardest thing I think that you'll ever do from a career perspective because it's so fraught with uncertainty and it doesn't matter how much education you get, there's still lots of uncertainty every time you step up to a new level, then there's more challenges and there's new challenges. So it sort of never ch- change stops. 
But the beauty of that is that you're never stopped from being challenged and you're always looking for finding solutions. So if you love the challenge, if you enjoy finding creative solutions to things and you're willing to live with that risk, then I 100% suggest that you, you should go out and explore that as an option. But it does take lots of people to do lots of different things. And the reality is, is that especially a lot of businesses do fail. And if you're looking to purchase in property or have a family or what have you, the reality is, is that it can take a number of years for your business to stabilize and for you to be able to have that stability. So there is risk inherent in, oh, what happens if I want to take two, three years off to raise my family? Then there are considerations when you're running a business. So I don't necessarily think that it's as easy as going, just go and do it. There are things that we need to consider. But of course, I'm saying this with a gendered lens of women. And if I was a guy, I'd be saying, don't worry about that. I'm sure you can find a way to (laughs) have a baby, do it, you know, sleepless nights, run a business, a lot of money in the first two years, just go and do it. So interesting, isn't it? So interesting, which is a great sideway to what we want to talk about next, about the common stresses for women. You literally mentioned all the hats that they're juggling and what they want to juggle in the future. For example, if you're about to start a family, what does that look like? Because that's the reality of it. They are juggling so many hats. So in your experience, Shannon, how how do women manage that? Talking from my experience with, with my clients who had kids, I have observed that primary care for the kids is still pretty much at the mother's, you know, the female. And of course, I'm talking about heterosexual kind of heteronormative (laughs) relationships, but that and or my client, my female client has, is a single mum. And so therefore the amount of work needs to be fitted into a 9.30 to 3 p.m day and then come back to work at 8, 9 p.m. So that can actually create lots of challenge. So I think even in heterosexual relationship, a lot of the primary care falls back on the mum and therefore running a business needs to be considered with children more than my male clients who tend to, I think when they, if I'm reflecting, it's more a choice that the male client says, I want to go and pick up my kids. <laughs> Whereas the mum says, oh, I have to go pick up the kids. There's a, there's a difference from that perspective. I think that probably one of the biggest things that I see which creates greater stress is that women don't invest in their self-care in the way that men do. And in fact, they'll drop it to prioritise, okay, kids, family, running the household, work, you can't see me obviously, but priority number one is making sure my kids are, are fed and, you know, there's roof over their heads and they've got their school things sorted and all the rest of that and looking after the house, does the is the home clean and does everyone have clean clothes and all the rest of it. And then the next one is, okay, work. And then the next one is all of the other stuff and somewhere down below there is like, oh, I probably should go and exercise. I haven't done that for a while. Whereas I think men prioritise their self-care and that exercise component ahead of other things because they know that that's an investment in self-management and self-care and reducing stress. So I do think that some of the stresses is that balancing with everything, but what happens is we drop off the 
the important self-care, which then creates greater stress. I can actually relate to that from the patients I see as well. I think the first thing to go is sleep because the kids are in bed, I've got time to relax, but then I've actually, this is the time, then they start maybe at 10 in the evening to mm-hmm. quickly catch on, catch up on the day's stuff. So mm-hmm. sleep often is the first thing to go. Then unfortunately the diet next because they're always on the go and it's really, unless you're meal prepping and unless you're putting it as a priority, is eating on the run or feeding the kids first and then deciding mm. what you're going to eat next. And exercise is probably, yeah, up there, not even considered at this point. Yeah, it's so true. The number of clients that... I've had conversations with where we sort of talk about that nighttime routine. How are you winding down from work? How are you putting in healthy habits? And they'll say, well, by the time the kids go to bed, what I like to do is I tend to hop on social media because it tends to, you know, turn my brain off. So at 10, 11 o'clock at night, we're scrolling through social media, getting that little dopamine hit because the, the day's been so reactive. So that desperate need for dopamine And if you enjoy a glass of wine, you're probably having alcohol up until that point or while you're doing that because that's that time you get to breathe. (sighs) Okay, this this is me time, justifying it until sort of midnight or or even one o'clock. Put your head down at two o'clock, one of the kids wakes up and then you grab it at six, doing it all over again. How can you possibly run a business effectively with that kind of routine? And that's literally my next question. What have you found? And I probably share what I've, what I see as a result of all that, but how has it impacted their business? Not looking after their health. Mm -hmm. I think that stress, as you would know, Shami, the cause and effect model isn't so obvious. And that's the hardest part of creating change because it becomes a bit of a bleed. As you would know, Shami, when we're under stress, we don't think as clearly. We're not able to handle challenge as well. So we're probably more reactive. We're more, I don't want to offend anyone, especially as I've been described as being too emotional and I'm putting my little talking things on as a woman. (laughs) That's like the most offensive thing to be said. But it can actually being stressed out and being tired and let's, you know, we've got hormones which is very different, which means depending on what's going on, we can actually be more emotionally reactive, which doesn't help us from a business perspective when we are dealing in an environment where people don't want to see emotion. The people, if we're working with team members, they need stability. They don't want to see their boss kind of breaking down, throwing things, yelling and being emotional. And the next day, everything's right as rain. So those stresses can affect our emotional regulation, which affects how we do business. And I'm absolutely not shaming women for our emotions and for expressing our emotions, but it's the impact that that has on the people around us that we need to be concerned about. So I definitely think managing stress means that we can do our business better. We can think more clearly. We can make better decisions. We can handle the stresses of business a lot better. So I do think that managing stress is really important for ensuring long-term the business is sustainable for us because it actually only gets harder, believe it or not. So So the more your business is successful, 
the more you've got responsibility for bigger team members, the more you've got responsibility for sales actually bringing in just your base rate. So, you know, I've got a, a client who's going to turn over $5 million this year. That sounds really great. But right now they're in a serious cash challenge because lots of reasons. They're, it's all being managed well. $5 million sounds great, right? But not when you're still dealing with all the stresses of actually managing a $5 million business. So it doesn't actually get any easier. So we have to be the humans who are going to continue to expand and deal with life at these next levels. Really, really interesting because I'm kind of reflecting from my perspective because often the presentation is not stress. It is gut issues or fatigue. I think fatigue gut issues are probably the two commonest and perhaps imbalance of female hormones. But the one that really drives women to come and see me is when they can't function anymore. Mm-hmm. And they've just sort of hit a very painful point of, mm-hmm. I need to do something about it now because often we push, we push, we push because we are functioning. Mm-hmm. And until we can't, that's when we seek help. And this is where, you know, what you've mentioned was so important. And that's what I sort of keep sort of not preaching, but keep harboring about the importance of self-care because you don't actually need to get to the point where the body needs help. We can actually do so much before from all what you've mentioned from just prioritizing sleep, prioritizing moments for you, self-care, eating well, movement, Mm. getting the foundation right. And I always say that's like the foundation. And once that's right. Everything just is like a domino effect. You you have exactly what you said, and I'm just repeating it, but clarity of mind, hence you make better decisions, hence the day is less stressful. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. And one of the things that you said there about people come to see you or women come to see you once they're not functioning anymore, the biggest issue I think with that is by that stage, we're talking physical, emotional burnout. We're probably starting to resent our work because it's bleeding us dry. And that is not a good place to actually run a business from because it does take it out of you. So there really has to be an investment in self in order to continue to maintain a business. It's quite literally like running a car on an empty tank. And when I say that is the car is you but, but your business is also the car, but you're the fuel, you're the fuel for the mm-hmm. car. So if you can't even get the fuel in you, then how's your business going to run? And that's a huge risk. So when you're talking business strategy, you're always talking about what are the risks to the business? Well, if you're at the helm and a big part of the technical work is your responsibility or even the management work is your responsibility, you have a responsibility to all of your stakeholders to maintain yourself. So true, so true. Thank you so much, Shanna. Now, before we let you go, and I I feel like this is a podcast you got to re-listen because there's so many great points to it and see whether it really resonates with you. But before we let you go, what's your new venture? I'd love to know what you're doing next in terms of business coaching. Yeah, well, thank you. I used to work with clients with an initial engagement that was a little bit Let's solve some immediate problems in your business. Let's put some fires out and then see what we'll do. What I've come to realize is that our self-management is the most important part of a successful business. So 
what I'm actually doing now is four session program on leadership and self-management. So it's very much about understanding ourselves, understand how we make decisions, understand what's creating our success or actually creating our, not so much failures, but our problems and how to think differently in order to solve those problems in a different way. So with that foundation program, then we can start talking about strategy and solving business problems because you're coming at it with a different way of thinking. So I do have this new leadership session for sessions, which teaches amazing, amazing tools that actually is not just good for yourself, but good for team members in terms of helping them to think at a higher level. Wow. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing, Shannon. So where can people find you? People can find me on my website and I believe that it'll be linked in the show notes, www.inspired-outcomes.com. That's probably the easiest place to get in touch with me, but you can always Google Google me and I'll, you'll find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and all sorts of places. Excellent. Excellent. Any final words to our listeners, Shannon? I think, yes, if I can give you five tips, I suppose, or or strategies to solve the problems that we've talked about today. Number one, I think it's really important to get clear on your personal values and priorities, because then there's not so much guilt. If I make a conscious decision that I'm prioritizing my family, then I don't have to feel quite as guilty for prioritizing my family ahead of my business. But I think a lot of guilt wastes a lot of time. I think that it's definitely worthwhile being aware and investing in improving your confidence and validating your value. That's really important, no matter what you're doing, but especially if you're building a business, make an investment to get help that will give you a different perspective, that will help you learn, that will help you grow at a much faster rate than doing it on your own. And although we didn't collaborate on this, find your tribe. We have to, we tend to work more autonomously than men. So we really want to actually find your tribe and then invest in a mentor or coach. I mean, I know that's a self-serving thing. doesn't have to be me, but invest in a mentor or coach who's going to help you guide, help guide you along this journey of business and life. Amazing. But Shannon, before we go, you did mention that it was a great difference between men and women in terms of mentors. Mm. Did we we talk about that? Was there like a statistic? No, we did that in our pre-conversation. Yes. We've got to mention that. (laughs) That's okay. A couple of things to mention when I was doing the research, things that came up was that women tended to be networked less. So what that means is we have less connections than men. And that probably comes through men traditionally, I suppose, more likely to engage in team sports. And men tend to just more naturally network on a higher level than women. Plus, I suppose women, we have to invest time in networking and if we're wearing all these other hats where are we going to find time to do that and women are less likely to invest in a mentor and that probably again comes from a networking experience where if I'm a bloke I've talked to my mate Bob and he had this mentor helped him in business and it's all very normal and I said who's that guy give me their number to have a call so women don't tend to invest in mentors as much as men do but I think that there's a real that just creates additional challenge. So I think it's definitely worthwhile finding. And a mentor doesn't have to be a paid coach. It can be someone who you catch up with every month to talk shop, someone who's been there and done that, or it can be someone who you do pay to actively support you in your business or life. 
Wow, Shannon, beautiful, wise words. I feel like we need to bring you back. There's so much more to talk about, to give Thanks. business tips. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you, Shami. It would always be my pleasure. Thank you for letting me be here. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.